belong, become, believe. You're listening to Grace Church of Northwest Arkansas podcast. The message for May 15th, 2022 is called The Understanding is in the Doing. The teacher is John Ray and the location is Clapp Auditorium, Mount Sequoia in Fayetteville, Arkansas. So, again, welcome. My name is John Ray. Welcome to Grace Church. In our teaching group this week, um, Laura shared a story which was really interesting and rings true on so many levels, uh, whether you have kids or not with this. Um, Her son, who shall remain nameless, because he's sitting back there, uh, came to her and, and was said, Mom, Mom, I'm so hungry. I'm so hungry, which Laura, being a good mom, immediately said, well, that's, that's awesome, son. How about some peaches? No, 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 no. No, I don't want those. I'm so hungry, though. Okay, well, how, how about some peanut butter and crackers? No, 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 no. But I'm so hungry then. And just offering after offering after offering was rejected as insufficient, all the while declaring their imminent starvation that starvation was going to happen if they didn't get some food in them. And yet everything that they were offered was rejected with that. Now, that's a cute story when it comes to our kids, but I think as we're going to see as we go through particularly this passage, that that is a tendency that we all have. That is something that we all have. We have this need or this hunger, and yet we seem unwilling to accept that which is offered to us which alleviates that or addresses that very thing. Um, We're looking through the parables. This is our second parable. As we go through, we're looking at Mark 4, starting at verse 21. Jesus is telling these these stories, or they're recorded in rapid-fire succession. He says, he said unto them, he also said to them, a lamp isn't bought, isn't brought to be put under a basket or under a bed, is it? Isn't it to be placed on a lampstand? For nothing is hidden except to be revealed, and nothing concealed except to be brought to light. If anyone has ears to hear, he had better listen. And he said to them, Take care about what you hear, for the measure you use will be the measure you receive, and more will be added. For whoever has will be given more, but whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken from him. And so what we're going to see here is that this light that is given is actually to be a benefit to all of us. And that true understanding comes through obedience, and then enlightenment without action is actually toxic. We all have more truth than we know what to do with. So often our addiction to more information, among other things, keeps us from acting on what we already know. And that's why we see as we go back, remember last week we talked about what the the purpose of parables were. Anybody remember what we talked about there, what we said? It's a story, exactly. But why why tell a story? Why not just give give us information? It, It engages our thinking on a different level, right? It gets around mental roadblocks with that. We also talked about how stories, the parables, are like themselves seeds. Last week we talked about the parable of the 
the seed and the sower and the different um, soils that the seed landed in. But we, we also understand that the parable itself is a seed. It is something that kind of starts off looking one way, but then grows into something very different. Um, and that's what parables do. That's what stories do. And that's what we're seeing here. Excuse my voice again. I'm still dealing with this allergy stuff. So um, we'll get through this. The purpose of parables also, it's important for us to understand, is that we're not being given these so that we will give mental ascension to a set of facts. Jesus' purpose in telling the story of the parable of the lampstand wasn't for people to go, you know what, you're right. Lampstand, lamps should go on lampstands. Amen. We are the pro-lampstand party. We believe that lamps should be on top of lampstands, not under baskets or beds. That's, that's our conviction. That, that's not the purpose of the parable with that. He's not looking for mental ascension. Jesus is calling us to action here with this. Also, we have to understand that this is not God being stingy. This is not God covering something else. This is not God being purposely obtuse. Not creating some secret cult of knowledge that, hey, do you know the whole lampstand thing and the secret handshake, you get in the door. Right? No, this is not. This is this. We're going to see three things that are happening through this parable that we're going. So what is going on here in this particular? Well, the first thing I think we see is a call to act. There is clearly an understanding that when this information is being given, the story is being told, that there is a response that is desired to be elicited from this. Having, again, having information about the kingdom is not the same thing as living in the kingdom. And again, I can't overstate this because we are a society that is addicted to information. We want to categorize, systematize, that we can assent to and then choose to act on maybe. We'll talk about that in a minute. So much of discipleship and teaching, we, we have a lot of teachers in here, in our, in our body. So much of teaching is pulling, pulling people away from a detached, hypothetical, abstract way of engaging words or ideas and getting them into the flow of participating with Jesus. Participating with that knowledge putting it into action. And so on the surface level, and, and again, parables work this way, they usually have a, a very surface level, easy to get understanding meaning. And we don't need to deny that. We just need to understand there's usually levels underneath that as well. But the very surface level one here is pretty obvious. Hey, you've been given this, act on it, shine it, do it. The information, the call that you have is something to be acted on with that. This is one of the reasons why we put so much um, emphasis on practice here at Grace. We talk about practicing the discipline, practicing church, practicing these things. It's because we're always learning and we understand that as we practice that, our understanding is going to evolve. It's going to change. That We don't have it all figured out. We're learning as we are doing these things. And that's why practice is absolutely essential to our understanding with that which is the next thing that we get into. So the first thing is a call to act. 
The second thing is this understanding that pedagogically, this is the way we know things. More and more, the older I get, the more I see the, the lives that are transformed by the Word of God and the lives that it seems to just run off like water off a rock. Is it's the people who put it into action that get the understanding. It's amazing that in our society, I, when we look at all the information that's out there that is available about Christianity, about the Bible, about doctrine, about church history, we have more information available on our phones than most of the churches ever had throughout church history. If the answer was just more information, y'all, we would have this thing nailed. We wouldn't have a problem. We wouldn't see the strife and the, and the problems that we have, because the information's there. It's not a question of more information. It is a question of acting on that information. We've talked about this a lot before, but it, it bears repeating here, that, that the Jewish mind, the world, the, the world that, that this was originally taught in, they had kind of a formula of understanding that went something like this. Hear, hear the word, hear, get the information, Obey, act on it, understand it, maybe. There was no guarantee you were going to understand. As a matter of fact, understanding wasn't a prerequisite to you obeying. No, merely hearing was the prerequisite to acting. Understanding is a fruit of that, an outcome. Something that may or may not occur. Usually it was promised that you would get it, but the understanding was, hey, it's a process. Nobody arrives at it at the same time, the exact same way. Your outcome, the fruit of this, your understanding is going to be different, but it is absolutely contingent on your action. Now, I won't go into a whole Western Civ history course here, but once we get to the Enlightenment and the Reformation, what we see is a flipping of this the way that we process information, and it goes from here, or get the information, understand it, and then act on it. Maybe. And we as a society, we use information and understanding as a way of control, as manipulation. Is we, we demand that we understand something. We do the cost-benefit uh, analysis. What's the ROI on this? Ryan, right? Ben? Getting your MBA, right? You're spending a lot of money to go to school to do ROI and cost-benefit analysis. Right? Get all the information you can. Understand it. And then that will tell us how to act, if to act, where to act. Y'all, this is, this is how we live our life. It's not necessarily wrong. Listen, I'm not saying that that model is necessarily wrong. I'm just saying it doesn't work here. What we're seeing with this parable, and, and in general the way to follow God, is this, this thing that comes from hearing the word and then obeying the word. Getting the light and then acting on the light. And then the understanding will come. Now, of course, this isn't linear, right? This circle, this cycle. And what happens is we get understanding and that actually encourages further obedience. 
So, so understanding does, can encourage obedience. I'm not saying it's not necessary. But the primary way that this works is action or obedience before understanding when necessary. The crazy thing is we live in a world right now where we have a lot of understanding already too and we still don't act. We're going to talk about that in a minute. So what we see is this call to act, the way we come to know. But the third thing in the deepest or the deeper level here, which I think is really easy for us to miss, is that this is a this parable calls us to ground ourselves in community. For the community. The light on the lampstand was given to light the room. Not a page on a book. This isn't, you're given a headlamp so you can see exactly where you're going to go. No, you're given a lamp, a lantern, something that puts on a roof, that, that's put on a stand that is to light the whole room. It is for everyone with this. And again, in addition to our propensity to just have information for our own sake, we also have a propensity to have information um, in a way that is selfishly used. That we don't understand that there are other people that need it. We, it may not even be good for us. This is the other thing is, we may get something that actually doesn't benefit us directly at all, but is there for the benefit of someone else. And when we hide that, other people are deprived, as well as we are deprived when other people don't share what they have. So this parable is to ground us in community for community with this. Uh, the author, Bell Hooks, she said this. She said, I'm often struck by the dangerous narcissism fostered by spiritual rhetoric that pays so much attention to individual self-improvement and so little to the practice of love within the context of community. Elsewhere in the Bible, it's talked about this. Does this information puff you up? Does it make you arrogant or does it make you humble? I would dare say that one of the keys to humility is practicing as part of the community. It's hard to maintain that pride, that arrogance, when you're actually giving and receiving in community. That helps keep us humble with that. Paul wanted the church not merely to believe the gospel, but to become the gospel and thereby to advance the gospel. We are to be the living hermeneutic of what the gospel says. It is about our practice of these words that does it. And finally, one of my, my favorite um, definitions of spiritual formation, it comes from uh, Mary Kate Morse. She said, spiritual formation is the continuing response to the reality of God's grace, shaping us into the likeness of Christ through the work of the Holy Spirit in the community of faith, for the glory of God and the sake of the world. Listen, we, Christianity isn't a solo sport. If you want a nice, contained, individualistic religion, go try Buddhism. It's awesome for that. I mean, it, it really works well if you want a totally compartmentalized, individualized faith. Buddhism is all about self. Self-enlightenment. 
Christianity is not. It doesn't work if we do it correctly as an individual. So we see these things. We see that this is this is a call to action, right? That we the understanding comes through the obedience and that this grounds us in community. Well, what keeps us from those things? You may say, well, thanks, John. You just told us a lot of very obvious things. Glad that you finally caught up. We all already knew that. Um, glad to see that you're on the same page now. But maybe you're not. Maybe this is challenging. Maybe you're like, okay, wow. Hadn't thought about that before. That one's challenging. What is going to keep us from acting on this? Well, the first thing we have to ask is, why am I doing this? Why am I engaging in this at all? Why am I coming to church on a beautiful spring morning? Why am I devoting myself, going to the table fellowship groups, reading, doing the devotionals, doing the study, reading the books? Why? Is it for control? Is it so that you have more information as power to manipulate and to manage and control? Is it so that you can somehow figure out the right ROI, the right balance to, hey, I give this much and I get this much back with it? Or is it a love response of obedience? Is it the recognition that he, we, each of us and all of us, have been given this gospel which changes everything, which transforms us into people we didn't even know we wanted to be or needed to be, in a group of people that we didn't know or necessarily would associate with for any other reason other than God has called us together. Is it that response to that? Because any other response is going to necessarily keep us from that. Are we using this as more information to use against our enemies? Listen, I don't have to tell anybody in here, we are in a dangerous place in our world today of ideologically entrenched opinions that is literally leading people to cause mass murder right now. I, I get numb when I have to even say those words. Right now. But we're in a society that, that weaponizes information, that weaponizes these things to use as offensive, destructive grenades against people that we disagree with. That can have no place in the church at all. That can have no place in anyone who calls themselves a Christian's life, where they would take the information, the God-given, God-breathed, God-inspired information that we have here, and use it to weaponize, to hurt, and to oppress other people. There could be nothing more contradictory to the nature of the truth of the gospel than that. And yet we see it happening a lot. We see it happening in Many realms, not just the church. Many realms we see that happen. And the last thing, the danger, the pitfall here is that we're just, y'all, we just don't want to be uncomfortable. We just, it's not easy, is it, to do this? It's not easy to always walk this out. It's not easy to have to act on doing what we know we should do because it costs us something. It costs us our comfort, our privacy, our dollars. 
our time, our precious time, it costs us things. And we just get worn down. We get scared by it. And again, I think this is a function a lot of trying to do it by ourselves. Because we're constantly trying to do this in our own resources, in our own way, on our own time, on our own schedule. And we just become so depleted. And that, that tiredness, that exhaustion is real. I'm not saying it's not real. But it can also turn us into people who don't act on them. Now, I don't think any one of these things ultimately can keep us from spirit-filled obedience to what we're called to do. But I will say this, especially here in church, and I, and I heard this a while back, and I think it's, it rings true for me, that if you're not getting your way, if you're not getting your way at least 20% of the time here, you're probably in the wrong church. Like, like you need to be probably about one out of every five, 20% roughly, one out of every five encounters that you have with the church, there ought to be something that you go, ugh. Not just no, but hell no. I don't like that. I don't want anything to do with that. That's like, oh, why would I? Oh, man, another thing I got to go to? Or I got to be with them in that thing? Or I don't like what he said. I don't, or I don't like the songs they said. Now, some of us put up with a lot more than 20%. I'm going to guarantee you that. There are people here that it's a lot more than 20% they don't get their way. I know one brother here who really struggles with the time we meet. So it happens every Sunday. Every Sunday there's something that doesn't agree. But if you're getting if, if, if you're getting everything you want right now, if everything just fits your niche understanding of it, wow, I'm, I feel sorry for you. I envy you, but I also feel sorry for you with that. We should constantly be being challenged. That's what growth growth takes that kind of growth with that. You see, we're just like we're just like Eli. We are constantly, constantly, I feel like coming to God saying, I'm hungry, God, I'm hungry, I need something. God, I'm hungry. I need, I need information. I need, I need a relationship. I need a breakthrough. I need something like this. I need something. God, I'm starving. God, I'm going to die. That's like, cool. Here, how about this? No, 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 no. That's not what I want. I'm going to die if you don't give it to me. Great. Here you go. Here's this opportunity. No, that won't work. I need, I, I'm going to die if I don't get it. And we're just all like that. We're constantly being offered this plethora of opportunities to assuage that need, to fill that thing that we need. But we're so wrapped up, so tight into this thing that we think we know what we need, we miss it. We miss it. So I'm going to ask Luke and Ellen to come back up as we consider this. Now this is the time <clears throat> at church where because we're we are practicing what we are preaching literally, this is a time where we reflect. This is a time if you need to say something or pray something, this is where we do that. This is a time to listen, go back and read scripture. Don't believe me just because I've got the microphone. That's that's the worst thing that can happen. Yeah, I want you to listen, but I also want you to consider 
God, what are you asking me to act for? What is it that you're offering my hunger right now? Am I willing to eat that? Am I willing to take that? Am I willing to do that with that? Y'all, the answer is in the obedience. I don't know any other way to get there. I'll just tell you, I'll tell you that straight out. If you're looking for me or anybody who preaches here to inform you out of whatever you're facing, it's not going to happen. It's just not going to happen. Information is necessary, yes, but it's information that is acted on in community that gives the answer for that. Will Williman said, a Christian is someone who has dared to listen and then live the good news. Dared to listen and then live the good news. I believe that's what this parable is about. With that. Um, but I invite you again to explore these things um, in community and in your devotions. Our communion table is open to everybody. We'll be serving here in a minute. Uh, those of you who are visiting or wondering why there's a jar of pickle, pickles on here, we're not going to ask you to take pickles for communion. Okay, that's not what we're doing. But as a as a symbol, as we study the work, uh, the book of Mark, we started with this Jesus baptism, and the word how baptizo that is used there is literally pickle. That Jesus was transformed. That our baptism is a process that takes place. And I think that's a particularly apropos this morning when we talk about how the actions, acting on these things, is what transforms us. So that's why that's there. You do not have to take a pickle for uh, communion. But our communion table is open to anyone. You need to pray with someone, find someone you trust. You can pray with me. With that, we also give our offering. We have our offering book. You can uh, box, you can give online here. We do that as a symbol of our worship. And no one here is without need. No one is here without something to offer. So thank you for being here this morning. Thank you for listening to Grace Church of Northwest Arkansas podcast. You can find more about us online at gracechurchmwa.org. Grace and peace.